0: And this game is underway with a bang.
1: This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. The time is 5.06, the day july 30th 2019 and one more time we gotta ask the question should the brewers be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline 608-796-2558 oh my god i can't wait for tomorrow to be done (laughs) i'm so sick and tired of talking about this I feel like you turn on Bill Michaels, you turn on any Wisconsin sports morning show, you turn on this show. What has everyone been talking about for the past three weeks? Should the Brewers be buyers or sellers? Should the Brewers trade for a starting pitcher? Should the Brewers trade for a reliever? Should they trade away Moose? Should they trade away Grandal? Should they trade away prospects? What What should the Brewers do? I'm so ready for the Major League Baseball trade deadline to be done tomorrow. I need it to be done. I need this to be gone. This has been so boring. Am I the only one who feels the same way? Earlier today, uh, one of the most prominent, one of the most famous uh, and well-respected baseball writers in the country, uh, a baseball columnist for USA Today, Bob Nightingale, right? I'm, I'm sure if you're a sports fan on Twitter, you follow him. He is the guy on Twitter for baseball, right? Him and probably Ken Rosenthal, maybe a couple of others. He tweeted this two hours ago as if this is supposed to get me excited for the trade deadline, right? Just 24 hours remain until the conclusion of what is looming as one of the dullest trade deadlines in ages. There has been only one major trade, Stroman. The buyers insist the sellers' demands are unrealistic. The sellers insist the buyers' offers are too low. Bad combination. Well, buckle your seatbelts. This is going to be fun the next 24 hours. I I just have so little faith that this trade deadline is going to see big players moving from team to team and, and big halls of prospects Moving from team to team. I think tomorrow's trade deadline is going to mirror what we've seen in baseball the last couple of years. And what we've seen is general managers say, you know what? We want to improve our team. We do. We want to sign free agents. We want to make trades. But you know what? Our analytics department tells us that this player is worth this much. And we're not paying a damn dollar more. And there it is. That's fine. It almost comes across as though general managers are ignoring avenues of improving their team because they're stubborn. General managers have been stubborn in baseball the last two years. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, when did they finally sign? It took how long for those two studs on the open market to sign? Kawhi Leonard lasted, what, five days? And nobody went to sleep. Nobody went to sleep. Everybody stayed up because they didn't want to miss the Kawhi Leonard thing. It took five days, and people were pulling their hair out. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper sat out there for weeks because general managers basically said, "Yeah, hey, Manny, we'd love to have you. Bryce, we'd love to have you. But according to our mathematics our analytics our estimation you are worth this amount of money and i'm not willing to budge so see you later i think tomorrow's trade deadline is going to be a reflection of that attitude that 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 uh that mo that we've seen from from the front offices of all these baseball teams for the last year or two i just don't have my hopes up that it's going to be exciting for the brewers or for any team this is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. We do have some brewers to talk today. I I, I want the, the buy or sell. I want that talk to be done with, over with, gone. Uh, We are going to talk a couple of trade possibilities, a couple of trade chips, because the more you look into it, the more you read, the more you talk, the brewers don't really have any good trade chips in the minors or, or in the majors. None of them are ideal. I, I don't think the brewers have the ammunition that weeks ago maybe we thought that the brewers had. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk Packers. I want to talk Badgers football as well. They had a huge announcement uh, within the last couple of days, and I talked to Dave uh, of Mornings with Dave and Scrady, who was bumming around the building uh, a couple of minutes before the show started, and he said, Grant, are you talking Badgers today? Because we, we were talking it up this morning. We were talking Badgers football, said Grant was going to talk about it tonight, and, and yes, I am. That's coming up at about 5.45. We're going to talk the Badgers and, and uh, how they have announced a huge home-and-away series with uh, with one of the biggest powers in college football. That on the way at 5.45. If you want to join the show. 608-796-2558. You can do so on the 5 Star Telecom. Talking text line. Twitter at Grant And at WKTY. Lots of ways to get involved. We've been exploring trade possibilities for the Brewers. For what weeks now. Saying well they could give this up. They could offer this player. Or this prospect. Right. We're just playing with scenarios in our head. Right. The more that I research it. And, and trust me. Researching minor league prospects and minor league systems is one of the duller things for a radio host to do and talk about, it is digging up rankings and, and, and overall composite scores of prospects and, and farm systems as a whole. It's not something that I enjoy. I'm not a fan of the Timber Rattlers or the, or the San Antonio Missions. I'm a fan of the Brewers, okay? The more I research and the more I dig, I I think a deal just sounds unrealistic, especially for a frontline starter especially for any player of value, a difference maker, right? Yesterday, I joked that David Stearns threw this team a life raft in Jordan Lyles, right? They they threw a life raft to the pitching staff. What this pitching staff really needs is a yacht, a speedboat. I don't think David Stearns has the capital or the cojones to try to make a deal like that before whatever it is tomorrow, three o'clock central, four o'clock central. I just don't think he has it in him. I don't think the Brewers minor league system has the talent in it either. And it, it, the minor league system isn't something we really focus on until we have to. And look, the, the Brewers are in a good spot right now. They're, they're in contention. They're in prominence, right? And I think for, for months and for weeks, we've just assumed, yeah, the Brewers have the prospects to get it done. I mean, Mauricio Dubon, Keston Here, think of all these names that we've been talking about, right? Well, actually, when you start to dig into the Brewers minor league system, it's not great. And a lot of these other teams that are in contention, San Diego, or I should say on the edge of contention, San Diego, Minnesota, Atlanta, all have better farm systems than the Brewers. So even if the Brewers want deep down to go get a player and they're willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen, Atlanta, Minnesota, San Diego could just say, oh no, we'll we'll, we'll do it instead. Because we have better players and we have more good players in our farm system. Brewers' farm system is not what it used to be. I was doing a little bit of reading today, and and look, I don't need to list off prospects. I don't think that's an entertaining way to to spend a couple uh, minutes on the Wisco Sports Show, but I think we do need to remind ourselves that, yeah, the Brewers surprised a lot of people last year. I think they definitely exceeded expectations, but the Brewers didn't get to that place without sacrifice, without putting something down, right? You you gotta spend money to make money. And, And last year, just off the top of my head... And I might be missing one or two minor trades, and if so, please call me on it, 608-796-2558. But in just a couple of minutes preparing for the show, I can remember the the Brewers obviously traded for Yelich, and they traded for a couple of players at the deadline, Jonathan Scope, Mike Moustakis, and Joaquin Soria. Those are just a couple of players that come to mind, and I'm sure there are a couple of transactions I'm forgetting about. But, But for the sake of this, let's focus on those four. Christian Yelich, the Brewers gave up Lewis Brinson, who I don't remember at the time if he was their number one prospect, but he was damn close. It was either him or Keston Hira. Lewis Brinson was the guy at the time, right? They gave up Lewis Brinson, Asan Diaz, Monty Harrison, who was an outfielder, and a right-handed pitcher named Jordan Yamamoto. Now, I doubt all four of those players are going to hit, but chances are one or two might. Brewers gave up four, four players to only get Christian Yelich in return. Now, that's been worth it, but let's remind ourselves... They gave up quite a batch of, of prospects, good prospects to bring him in. Jonathan Scope, we all remember they traded Jonathan VR, and that's what sticks in our mind, but remember they also traded Luis Ortiz, who's a right-handed pitcher, and a shortstop, Carmona. Two prospects and a player for Jonathan Scope as a guy who's going to go down as a footnote in Brewers history, if that, right? Now Mike Mustakis, They traded Brett Phillips, who was a top-10 prospect in the Brewers system at the time. They traded Jorge Lopez, who was considered one of the Brewers' top pitching prospects at the time. Right-handed pitcher. For Joaquin Soria, they traded their 13th overall prospect, Cody Medeiros, and another right-handed pitcher, Wilbur Perez. Now, at the time, none of those prospects felt like a gut punch. Now, Luis Ortiz was, was tough to swallow. Or not Luis Ortiz, Luis Brinson, excuse me. Luis Brinson was, oh man, high hopes for him. You hate to see him go. Hope Christian Yelich works out, but you got over that quickly. Now, when they traded Ortiz or Carmona or Lopez Perez... Those didn't feel like gut punches, okay? In fact, I didn't remember a lot of those names until today when I started to do some digging, I'll admit. But he gave up four prospects for Jelic, two and a player for Scope, two for Moustakis, and two for Soria. That's 11 prospects plus Jonathan VR, who's having a great year. 11 prospects for four players. We act like this Brewers minor league system is strong and it has been strong for the last couple of years. But let's not act like the winning came without a price last year for the Brewers. They give up 11 prospects, including some of their best prospects and some of their best pitchers. And you're seeing the Brewers struggle to put out good pitchers this year. Farm system is not what it used to be. In fact, if you look at their current farm system... And how their prospects are ranked. Their their best prospect is Bryce Tarang, who's a shortstop. And his overall ranking uh, by MLB.com is a 55, which means he's only slightly above average. Once you get, get past Bryce Terrain, you have Tristan Lutz, who's an outfielder. Mauricio Dubon, who we all know, who's a middle infielder. Zach Brown, who's a right-handed pitcher. And Corey Ray, who we all know is their first-round draft pick, right? He's an outfielder. Lutz, Dubon, Brown, and Ray all have an overall ranking of 50, which means they are average. Brewers minor league system is not great. There's a lot of teams in contention to buy players at the deadline before tomorrow afternoon. And most of them have a better minor league system than the Brewers, which means they have more ammunition. They can pay a higher price. I don't see a deal getting done, a big deal getting done by the Brewers, if it requires top level prospects or a large amount of prospects. Now, what I could maybe see, maybe, although I still find unlikely, is that they may have to give up some of their major league depth in the next 20 hours to get a deal done. Let's talk about that. The possibilities the Brewers probably realistically make a play for a reliever and only that, possibly using some of that major league depth. Let's talk about that. Continue our Brewers discussion coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show is presented by Play It Against Sports. Back in a moment here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Packers talk on the way in 10 or 12 minutes. The MLB trade deadline is tomorrow, and I want nothing more in my heart, in my soul, than to never talk about buyers or sellers again. I am so done asking the question, should the Brewers be buyers or sellers? I'm getting to the point where I just want tomorrow to be done. Now, that being said, the Brewers are right there in the division. They, they open up a series with the Athletics tonight, which means nine, 9 o'clock first pitches, everybody's favorite thing, especially those of us who have to work early. And they're only one game back in the division. They're right there. Like I should be engaged. I should be locked in. And I just want the trade deadline to come and go so we can stop talking about it. The Brewers, as we, as we talked about earlier on the show, if you're just tuning in, don't have the, the minor league System that they once did a couple of years ago. In fact, their top couple of prospects, Bryce Terang, Tristan Lutz, Mauricio Dubon, Zach Brown, Corey Ray. Their overall ratings are, are 50. They're average. Now the here here is moved on to the major leagues. They don't have one prospect who really jumps off the page. They don't have one prospect that's going to force a general manager to listen if David Stearns calls asking, inquiring about a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher, right? They don't have the minor league system that they did a couple of years ago. And it's easy to see why last year in four trades for Christian Yelich, Jonathan Scope, Mike Moustakis, and Joaquin Soria, they gave up 11 prospects. Now, I know not all those prospects were rock stars. And, and they're certainly not all going to turn out to be superstars. But they're prospects. They're, they're living bodies and they're assets that the Brewers could have used this year. Trade away last year, and, and trust me, it, it worked out. I'm not hating on those moves, but the Brewers don't have the minor league depth that they once did, which why I, I think they're going to have to make a trade from their major league depth, trading away major league players, even players that may be in the starting lineup uh, to assist their pitching. And I know trading away position players, trading away bats for pitching is is everyone's favorite expression, robbing Peter to pay Paul, but. If Peter is that much richer, if Peter's got a hundred dollars and Paul's got two, I think Peter might be able to spare ten or fifteen dollars, right? And I know that's that's an analogy that doesn't necessarily apply uh, to this Brewers situation, but I do think their offense is that much better. Their offense is great, and I think it could sacrifice a bat or two. And the two popular names have been Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal. And I don't remember when exactly that started. Two or three weeks ago, I started to talk about it on this show saying, you know what? The Brewers continue to struggle. If they continue to play poorly, I, I might think about shopping Grandall or Moose because they're on one-year deals. They're not going to be Brewers next year. And, and this concept of one-year contracts in baseball, expiring contracts, rental players, right? It's fascinating because if you're a fan of the NBA and you follow along at the trade deadline... Baseball and the NBA approach this concept very, very differently, right? In the NBA, players like this are known as expiring contracts, and they're very valuable, right? Teams like to acquire expiring contracts because at the end of the season, they can say, all right, we wring our hands of you, go be free, and now we have cap space, right? That's money off of our books that we can go use to improve our team elsewhere, right? And in recent years, so many NBA teams have probably made regrettable deals that they say, man, I wish we wouldn't Wish we wouldn't have given this player all that money. So they trade that player away in return for an expiring contract, right? Those expiring contracts are valuable. In Major League Baseball, we don't refer to those players as expiring contracts. Last year, what was Manny Machado referred to? CC Sabathia in 2008 was referred to as a rental, right? It's a rental. Because you're only getting that player for a couple of months, and that is seen as a dent on that player's value, right? Last year, the Brewers may have traded for Manny Machado, May have, if he had two, three years left on his contract, right? Well, the Brewers are only going to get him for a couple of months. He's a rental. So really, do we really want to part with capital, right? In the NBA, those contracts are worth their weight in gold. But in Major League Baseball, uh, I'm a little hesitant to acquire a rental player, right? Yasmani Grandal and Mike Moustakis, if they would be traded before tomorrow's uh, afternoon trade deadline would be rentals to the teams that are acquiring them. Now for the Brewers, they're not going to have Mustakis next year. They're not going to have Grandall next year unless they extend them or resign them. And that's going to be expensive. Maybe they could sign one, but I wouldn't expect them to sign either. I think they're both going to be too expensive with a, with a payroll that they already have. And they're going to need to improve their pitching somehow. And that's going to cost prospects money, something so they need to be focused on other areas. I think Moose and Yaz could both walk out the door at the end of this year for nothing. And the Brewers, in my opinion, can't afford to have that happen. If you don't have plans to re-sign them, one or the other, then, then you got to think about moving these guys. Because your minor league system is depleted. Your pitching staff is almost non-existent, let's be real. It makes sense for the Brewers to try to get something out of either one of these players now, Grandal and, and Mustakis have have kind of been talked about as a package deal. Well, let's deal Moose and, and Grandal. They're one year deals, right? Well, let's trade away those guys. They're expiring contracts or they're rentals, right? I, I I think we should compartmentalize the two. I think we should split them apart because right now Yasmani Grandal's value to the Brewers is much different than Mike Mustakis's value to the Brewers. Right now, they're both on expensive one year deals. They're both looking at unrestricted free agency after this season. In the, in that sense, they are very similar, yes. But they're standing on the team. Their value to the team is very, very different. I think Yasmani Grandal's value to the Brewers is much higher than Mike Moustakis. Now, part of that is because of the other players on the 40-man active roster, the other 39, right? The replacement behind Moustakis is a little bit easier to swallow than the replacement behind Yasmani Grandal. Right. Think of it this way. If you trade away Mike Mustakis, who's been playing second base, he can play third base, I mean, wherever he's playing. You trade away Mike Mustakis. what are you left with? Okay, well, you have some options. You have Tyler Saladino, Keston Hira, those are middle infield options. Travis Shaw, who's played second, but can also also a third baseman, right? And Orlando RC at shortstop. Those are four infielders. That means you, you can fill those three spots and have an extra and live without Mike Moustakis, and you you gotta figure out first base, but that's not something that Mike Moustakis is gonna help you with anyways. Thames or Aguilar, whoever you decide to put it first. Point being, if you trade away Mike Moustakis, you have some options. Now, I, I'm not as excited about Travis Shaw as I am Mike Moustakis. I think he'll get going, whatever that means, at some point. I don't love Tyler Saladino. He's not Mike Moustakis, but he, he's shown in spots, specifically those grand slams, that he can hang. Orlando RC is up and down, but he's at least an A-plus defender. The Brewers have options behind Mike Moustakis. Now, what about Yasmani Grandal? While well, he's on a one year deal, trade him away before he can walk for nothing. I'm a lot more hesitant to put Yasmani Grandal on the block, mostly because I don't think Brewers fans uh, have appreciated exactly what Yasmani Grandal has meant to this team. Uh, earlier today, Fox Sports Wisconsin, I saw this on Twitter originally, uh, put out an article. Every Tuesday, they do this thing called Stat Tuesday or STA Tuesday. It's kind of kind of a poor play on words and it says Brewers catcher Grandall's big season so far. When you look at the numbers in a lot of a lot of different metrics, not just hits or home runs or average, but walks and on-base percentage and hits and home runs, he's having one of the best seasons a Brewers catcher has ever had. Ever. He's hit 19 home runs already. That's already third most by a Milwaukee catcher ever. Already, and there's two months to play. Recently, and this is one of the statistics this article and, and everybody at Fox Sports Wisconsin brings up, Grandal, a little bit of a slump in July. It might not feel like it because he takes his walks. He gets on base. He's He hasn't been hitting for power in July. Let's say that. A little bit of a slump. His slugging percentage has dropped below 500. Only two Brewers catchers in history, minimum 30, 300 plate appearances, have ever had a slugging percentage of 500 or better. Mike Moustakas, in in this slump in which he has not been hitting home runs, has dropped below a waterline that only two catchers previously have ever exceeded. Mike, or excuse me, Yosemite Grandal has been that good, he's been that great. In fact, he's been, he's having one of the best seasons a Brewers catcher has ever had. Now that would be one thing if you have Yadier Molina behind him. You don't, you have Manny Pena, who I like, great defensive backup catcher. But Brewers fans, what do you think about life where Manny Pena is your everyday catcher? Mm. I don't like that. I, I can't imagine you like it as well, right? To me, this trade deadline for the Brewers should be about giving the team the opportunity to play the season out and try to get hot, right? Yesterday, I said, look, the Brewers didn't win or lose the division this weekend. What they did was they stayed in the game. They're still playing, right? They're at the arcade, they're playing Pac-Man, they put another 25 cents in the machine. They get to keep playing the game, and who knows what'll happen down the line. Now, if you trade away Yasmani Grandal, I think you really handcuff your team. I don't think David Stearns can say, all right, well, Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandal, both on one-year deals, we traded away Grandal. See if you guys can't go get hot, right? The Brewers have got to look at David Stearns and said, how are we supposed to get hot? He's been one of our best players all year. He's having one of the best catchers, or best seasons a Brewers catcher has ever had. It's like asking us to swim with one hand tied behind our back. Now, if you trade away Mike Moustakis, okay, we shift some things around. We'll figure some things out. Mike Moustakis' best days for this season are probably behind him, anyways, in the first half. We can keep going and and we still have Grandal. I would shop Moose in the next 24 hours, see what you can get. I would keep Yasmani Grandal, even if that means losing him for nothing at the end of this year. I, I think he is crucial to this team. He's been better than most people realize. And he is one a big piece on this team. If you expect the Brewers to get hot and make a run at this thing in August and September, trade Moose if you're going to trade one. Don't trade Gondal. I kind of doubt they'll trade either because I think this trade deadline is going to be really quiet, really uneventful. But if you're going to trade one, trade Moose. Hold on to Gondal. See if you can't make a run at this thing in the second half. Because I can deal with Travis Shaw. I can't deal with Manny Pena every day as the starting catcher. I think that's I think that's common sense. You have depth in the infield. You don't have depth at catcher. So hold on to your good catcher. Maybe shop your middle infielder and see what you can't get to try to replenish that farm system or bring in a pitcher, a reliever, a starter, whatever you can find. Improving the team is improving the team uh, any any way you go about it. Coming up next, speaking of improvement, uh, it sounds like the Packers have a most improved player in camp. I know they don't hand out that player in the NFL. They do in the NBA. They hand it out uh, in the NBA, but they do not in the NFL. It sounds like Uh, According to a couple of people, the the Packers have a most improved player on the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about that player and maybe what he can contribute to the defense coming up this season. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Stream us at WKTYSports.com and on our mobile app as well. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Good Brewers conversation. We're less than 24 hours away from the trade deadline, and I can't wait because I want it to be done. (laughs) I think it is going to be uneventful. I don't think that take is cutting edge. I've heard that sentiment echoed uh, in a lot of places. I don't think a whole lot's going to go down tomorrow. Brewers don't have a ton of options. I think if a trade's happening, it's from the major leagues, not from the minor leagues. We'll talk about everything tomorrow night that the Brewers do or do not do before the trade deadline tomorrow. I, I want to talk Packers because I, I've just been in a football mood, I guess you would say. Are you ready for
0: some football? Yeah,
1: I, I, you know, I've actually been okay throughout the summer, but at this point, yes, I am ready for some football. I I, I need it. My Sundays feel empty. I, I don't know what to do on Sunday afternoons. I looked at my roommate on Sunday. I sat down on the couch. I'm like, bro, what do we do? I got home from church, sat down, look at him. I'm like, what, what do we watch? What, what do we do with our day? Getting to that point. I need football, okay? And I've been enjoying talking Packers, getting back into the swing, getting back in that mood. And the only player that's been jumping out to me in the headlines the last couple of days has been, he's been advertised as the most improved player in camp. And that's Montravius Adams. Montravius Adams, the guy who everyone forgets about time and time again. And we're going to do this exercise. I love to do this. Um, about a player, or about a team, or about a news story. I just like to Google it and see what headlines pop up. So I'm going to do that right now. Montravius Adams, I'm not a great typer, I'll just warn you. Montravius Adams. Click on news. All right. Starting with Forbes. Forbes. This isn't a this isn't a, a Green Bay blog. This is Forbes. First article. The light has finally gone on for Packers defensive end Montravius Adams. Cheesehead TV. Mike Patton calls Montravius Adams Packers' most improved defender. The SportsDaily.com says Packers D-line, Montrevious Adams is stepping up his game. You look at this, Green Bay Packers uh, from the Dairyland Express. The time is now for Montrevious Adams. I mean, you you take the pulse right there. Take the temperature right there. Everybody's expecting huge things from Montrevious Adams, right? And and even going back to his draft, he's kind of been the forgotten guy. I keep forgetting, did they draft him in, last year was his second season, so he would have been a 2,000... 2016 2016 so what that would have been Ted Thompson's last draft correct is that the Vince Beagle draft the forgotten guy I can't even remember what year he was drafted this is going to be his third year and I keep forgetting about him like a couple of weeks ago or last week I should say when the Packers cut Mike Daniels it was announced and everybody talks you know all, all the coaches go to the podium Brian Gutekunst included saying we're really excited about our depth we're really about excited about these guys who are next they're hungry and they're ready to compete they're ready to go And in my mind, I'm saying, okay, yeah, Dean Lowry, he showed great things, and you just extended him. Tyler Lancaster pop last year. You know who didn't even cross my mind? Montrevious Adams, because why would he? He is is the forgotten man ever since he was drafted, and it sounds like he's going to attempt to buck that trend this year. Came into camp in shape, uh, a little bit skinnier, cut down his weight, a little bit more muscular, and he's ready to go. In fact, so much that Mike Pettin called him out. Uh, in a press conference, talked about him a little bit on Monday when the players weren't in town. This was yesterday. Uh, the players, well, they were in town, but they weren't a part of things, no practice. It was just the coaches, right? This is like what Mike Pettin had to say about Montrevious Adams. And he's very candid. He's very honest.
0: If I had to vote somebody or say who, who's most improved from a year ago, it would it would be Montrevious. I mean, there'd be a couple other guys in the discussion. But when I first got here and, and, and met him in the spring, my opinion wasn't real high and uh, and he, and he knows that and and it was one where we challenged him and and I think Jerry Montgomery has done an outstanding job with Mon I mean and and Mon's taken taking the challenge I mean he he came back from from the off season um and he'd lost a bunch of weight but but going back to the season by you know by the end of the year uh I mean he he was playing some quality minutes for us and and made some plays something I I I, I would not have predicted that just coming out of coming out of training camp, and then he's a guy that we're we're gonna depend on.
1: He straight up says it. That last year when I came in, my opinion wasn't very high of him. And I thought, Shush, tell us how you really feel, right? Talking in specifically saying, I didn't think super highly of this guy last year. Came into camp, he, he appears to be ready to go. He's improved, he's stepped up his game, he's cut down his weight. And, and I don't need you I don't need to play the full press conference answer. There's a couple minutes or two minutes, I suppose, worth of Montrevious Adams talk. Talking about a specific play he made in in practice the other day where he penetrated, he got through, had a great one step move, and then just drove right to the ball carrier, and he kind of kind of made you go, "Wow, maybe this guy's ready. Maybe he's going to break out this year." In fact, uh, recently Andy Herman of Cheesehead TV he joined the show a couple of weeks ago. Andy Herman's name keeps popping up. Uh, he sat down and talked to Kenny Clark and asked, uh, "Is there anybody who who stood out during camp? Anybody who's really jumped off the page?" And this is the quote: Kenny Clark says, "On defense, I'll say Montrevious." I think he's had a really good OTAs, Clark said. I think he's really good understanding of what's going on and his mentality and how he's been going about things this year and the work he's been putting in. I'm excited to see how he does. This is not the first place we've seen this, the first time uh, Montrevious Adams has been mentioned. First of all, are we a fan of the nickname Mon? Is that a little odd? Maybe it's just because Mike Patton is I don't know, some old bald white guy <laughs> just using nicknames like Mon. I would have gone with Trey. I would have gone with Trey instead of Mon. Uh, But I'm going to leave that up. (laughs) That's not up to me. Uh, I just find it funny that he's being called Mon. That kind of jumped me off guard. Kenny Clark, Mike Patton, no matter what they're calling him, uh, is saying he's the most improved player on the field, especially on defense, and we cannot wait to see what he does. Now, this does not make me feel... Okay, I won't say it won't. It doesn't make me feel better. It makes me feel slightly better about the departure of Mike Daniels. I still miss Mike Daniels uh, because football is a game of attrition talked about this yesterday and we've been talking about this with the Packers running backs right and how I wanted them uh, to go out and get some running back depth because as much as I love Aaron Jones I love Jamal Williams what if one of those guys gets hurt there's nothing there's nothing behind them I I want a, a, a stable of experienced running backs who can all bring different things to the table to build a more complete running game that hopefully stands the test of time over 16 regular season games and hopefully into the playoffs as well. The defensive line is a position that's known for attrition, right? Position of attrition. We were talking about that last week on the show, and I found it incredibly catchy. It is. It's a position where there are a lot of big bodies tangling with other very big bodies, backing up where you can't see, moving forward into into crowded areas with big bodies falling over. It's easy to get rolled up on. It's easy to get your ankle twisted. You know, it would be a very solid bet to lay down some money that a defensive lineman for the Packers misses some time this year. It's that kind of position. And to think that you let a player like Mike Daniels go, yeah, you have some depth there, but anytime you have depth in in football, it's not necessarily cause to say, okay, let's get rid of our depth. This isn't baseball. This isn't the Brewers' middle infield, right? Bodies get hurt. Things happen, and you need to call on that depth. Football is a game of attrition. Look at the Super Bowl last year. The Rams didn't have Todd Gurley. They didn't know what to do. It's oftentimes the healthiest team. That is left standing. Now that healthy team has got to make plays. And do a couple things right. But look at the last couple of Super Bowl champs. Winners of playoff games. It's a lot of times the healthier team. The NBA Finals this year. And basketball is a whole lot less physical than football. In terms of heads banging on each other. And bodies getting tangled up. I don't mean to diminish the physicality of basketball. But who won the NBA Finals? It was the healthier team. Kevin Durant got hurt. Klay Thompson got hurt. Kevon Looney got hurt. And, and casual NBA fans probably don't appreciate his importance to that team enough. The Raptors were healthy. The Raptors won. Plain and simple. So to think that you let that depth walk in Mike Daniels, I, I still don't love it. Because people are going to get hurt. Bodies are going to go down. Miss time. And you need to call on that depth. But hearing all these comments about Montrevious Adams certainly makes me feel a little bit better. Right? It gets me excited. But how many times in the past have we heard players... Uh, say, man, this guy looks great. Oh, man, he looks great in camp. He's really impressed. Only to then get to the regular season and and, and nothing. Right? No dice. I'm hoping that these predictions and this excitement uh, manifests into good play in the regular season and throughout the regular season, not just in a game or two. There's no way to tell until the regular season comes, but once again, you're hearing it from Mike Pettin. You're hearing it from Kenny Clark. You're hearing it from multiple sources. Which lends you to believe that it's not just one play that 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 uh, led to this comment, but it's a, a trend over camp it's it's days and it's hours it's not just one play here and there it's he looks healthier he he's almost has a different attitude comes across as a different player. Mike Patton straight up said uh, when I came in last year, I didn't have a high opinion
0: of it but when I first got here and, and, and met him in the spring, my opinion wasn't real high. And, uh, and, he, and he knows that. My opinion wasn't
1: high. Can you imagine? <laughs> he straight up said that about his player in a press conference. And I think that's just a testament to he's comfortable to say that because he's changed his tune. Man, I didn't think you were anything special last year, but now you're really starting to impress. And I hope Montrevious Adams is impressing and he can contribute because as much as I like Dean Lowry's trajectory and I liked what Tyler Lancaster showed in small spots last year, and of course we all love Kenny Clark, you're going to need bodies at that position. It's a position of attrition. People are going to get hurt, people are going to miss time, and you're going to need every single body to contribute, which is why I didn't like Mike Daniels going out the door, but if Montrevious Adams can step up, I, I certainly feel a lot better about the move. Big announcement yesterday from uh, from Wisconsin football, University of Madison, Wisconsin football, that is, not the Green Bay Packers. They have announced a huge home and away series, and and... It's not for a couple of years, but let's be real. The Badgers have announced home and away series for or like UCLA and Notre Dame that's almost all the way out to 2030. So this series, I believe, is going to be this series in uh, in like 2024, 2025. Uh, Wisconsin and Alabama. Home and away with Bama in, yes, 2024 and 2025. Let's talk about that because this is a big deal, and this is awesome. And if you're a college football fan, hell, a football fan or a sports fan, this is just going to be cool. Let's talk about that. Continue to get excited for football season. That talk coming up. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show next here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills, your host. Thanks for being here. A lot of good Brewers talk, Packers talk today as well. If you want to check out anything you missed, just hit the podcast tab at Sports.com. Huge announcement from Badger football this week. Not really something I was expecting. Now, I figured uh, the Badgers had their non-conference schedule filled out for like the next eight years. Because in the last year or so, we've seen announcements about games with Notre Dame and UCLA. And some of these matchups are announced 10, 12 years before they even happen, right? Games in the late 2020s or even nearing 2030. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. But if you've paid attention to the same thing, you know that they schedule these games uh, just a ridiculous amount of time uh, out into the future, right? So when they said that the Badgers and and the the Crimson Tide, of course, from Alabama, are going to do a home and away series... Uh, In 2024 and 2025, my first thought was that wasn't filled up yet because when they announced the home and away, I thought, oh man, this isn't going to be for 10 years, 12 years. Oh, okay. Well, we only got to wait five years. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's still a ways, uh, but I can swallow that pill a lot easier than 10 or 12 years. It's going to be awesome, right? And part of the, the hype surrounding this announcement, the Badgers announced it on Twitter. Part of the hype around it was, There are seven teams uh, that have at least 100 wins in the last 10 seasons in college football. And the Badgers and Alabama are two of them. Alabama obviously has the hardware. They have been winning national championships, winning bowls, making the college football playoff. But when it comes to winning, consistently winning, and getting to bowl games and winning bowl games as well, because Paul Christ, he's been pretty good at that. The Badgers have been right up there. Now, they certainly don't have the hardware of a superpower program like Alabama, but the Badgers have won the games that they've played, they've been to Big Ten championships, and they have been incredible in bowl games under Paul Christ in the last couple of years as well. The only thing that's not there is the championships. So year in and year out, win totals, the Badgers have been up there with Alabama, they just don't have the hardware, the championships. I love games like this. At the beginning of college football season when they do these matchups, right? Because the Badgers would never play Alabama if it wasn't in non-conference play or in some type of bowl game or in a postseason game, right? They just, their paths would never cross. Because most of the season is conference play, right? You're playing through the Big Ten. Purdue, Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, and then, of course, Michigan. Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State. A lot of good teams, but you're staying within the confines of the Big Ten, right? Anytime that the the Badgers have a matchup with teams outside of the Big Ten, I think it's a lot of fun. Because I think it's a chance to prove... Okay, yeah, we're good in the Big Ten, and and we can beat up on Purdue and Illinois and Indiana, but we can step outside our conference and hang with the best of them. They proved that two years ago, three years ago, uh, now against LSU, right, when they played at Lambeau Field. I will never forget that game. I know it really didn't mean anything. Like, it it didn't put them into the postseason. It didn't win them a trophy. It was just a non-conference regular season game. That is one of the most memorable sporting events, the most memorable days of my life. I will remember because I had just moved in just moved into UWL. I think I moved into my dorm on a Friday. That game was on a Saturday. I didn't know anyone. I had a couple of friends that I knew from high school. Outside of that, I'm in a strange town on a strange campus, living in a strange room in a strange building with strange people, right? And that Saturday was the day where you have freshman orientation, right? You have all these events on campus, and you got to go around. You got to take the big team picture. You got to do all that stuff, right? Well, me and a couple of friends and people I had just met said, well, okay, screw that. We're not doing that. Uh, we're going to lock our dorm room, hide from our RA, and we're going to stay in here and watch this game because it's at Lambeau Field, it's LSU, it's Wisconsin, it's Leonard Fournette. This is this is a, a game that's just big. The brand of this game is big, right? And obviously the defense came out of nowhere, expected them to be pretty good. Nobody expected that. Shut down Leonard Fournette and and eventually sealed it with that interception at the end. I believe it was Dakota Dixon because then he took the shot to the back of the head, which I'm laughing about now. It was a It was a very dirty play at the time just another part of that memory, right? And hopefully we can have some memorable games uh some 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 legacy type of games against Bama in the early 2020s as well, 24 and 25. College football for me is is different than the NFL. When it comes to the NFL, I know all the teams, I know all the coaches, I know all the players for the most part. Even if I'm not super familiar with them, most players I hear a name. I'm like, okay, yeah, I've I've heard that name before. That player used to play for this team, or that player went to college there, right? Like, it's easy to know details about players. Even if you're not an expert, you're pretty familiar, right? Now, college football, I like to describe it as just an ocean of random teams and random programs, right? When you sit down on a Saturday to consume from 11 a.m. to midnight, if you're you're starting with Big Ten and finishing with Pac-12... It kind of feels like you're in a little rowboat just rowing through an ocean of of teams that you don't know, players that you don't know, coaches you don't know, right? And every week, I, I like for there to be this one game. I, in In this analogy, we'll call it a lighthouse game, right? Then in a sea of random games and random matchups, well, LSU and Alabama play this afternoon. Okay, there's my lighthouse, okay? I can watch Purdue, Illinois, Right? I can watch Arizona State Hawaii. I can put up with that as long as I can orient myself by also watching LSU Alabama, right? By also watching Wisconsin Alabama or Wisconsin LSU. These games are going to be lighthouse games, right? On weekends in non conference play, where there's probably going to be a lot of cupcake matchups, a lot of really just pushover blowout type games. This will be a a game where I can orient myself and say, okay, I can watch Ohio State beat the living pulp out of Montana Mountain State. I can put up with that. I can can sit through that as long as I know Wisconsin and Alabama is on the way. That's a lighthouse game, right? That's something to to, to, to orient yourself with in the landscape, the vast landscape that is college football. These games are awesome. And it's pretty insane because what? The players who are going to be playing in 2024... Won't graduate until, what, 2021? Two more school years? It's pretty wild to me. Trades in the NBA, future trades, like the Anthony Davis trade, is, is including players that are in, what, 7th or 8th grade right now? It's pretty insane to me that we have games scheduled that are going to be played by players who are in middle school and high school right now. And I know that's the way the, 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 the political nature of sports works. I understand that. I'm not naive. I just think it's pretty cool and I'm really excited to watch some of these games and it'll be cool to see Bama playing in Camp Randall and I know that game is going to be wild and it's going to be wild to see the Badgers go down to Tuscaloosa and play there because that hasn't happened I believe I looked it up I don't think that's happened since what 1928 the Badgers and the Tide played if you remember in 2015 before that the last time these two teams matched up if I'm reading this correctly and my research is good was 1928 and the Badgers won that game 15-0 to The fact of the day. There's your bar fact. Next time you're at a bar, bring it up. Yeah, the Badgers played Wisconsin in 2015. Before that, when was the last time? I don't think anybody's going to guess that, know that. I'd be real impressed. Trade deadline tomorrow. We'll talk about it tomorrow night. Brewers and Athletics tonight, 9 o'clock, first pitch here on WKTY. Same time, same place tomorrow. I'll be back here to talk about it all. Can't wait to talk to you then.